Hi, everyone. This is the fourth episode of the Over Coffee Talk podcast, a space where professionals and people with inspirational stories share their career journey, tips, and advice with job seekers. And I'm your host, Latifa Toike. Before we start, I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. 2022 was, was quite a year. That's why I hope that this year of 2023 will bring you more joy, happiness, and more job opportunities. Okay, so today we are joined by a travel enthusiast who has written for Forbes, who navigated the Thailand jungles while collaborating with foreign team, uh, who had experience working both in marketing and entertainment industries, a brilliant UX content designer who worked at companies such as Facebook and OKCoin. Please welcome Joe Regan. Gosh, Latifa, thanks for having me. That introduction really uh, makes me feel like I have some big shoes to fill for myself. No, no, no. You really deserve it. How are you? I am doing well. It, I'm feeling the freshness of the new year today. I think I was mentioning to you before we started recording, I always love the sensation of the start of the new year. Um, I know mm -hmm. it's a cliched time to set goals and start anew, but I really do feel that that date change as a, a marker of both the progress that's come in the last year and, and where I'd like to go in the next 365 days. Same here. It's really refreshing to have this fresh start. So totally agree with you. So let's go back to the really early stages of your career. Before switching to UX content design, you studied cinematic arts. What made you interested in that field in the first place? I was always fascinated by movies, mm -hmm. video games, um, and just different methods mm -hmm. of storytelling throughout my childhood. I remember when I was very young watching my sisters take my dad's mini DV like video camcorder mm -hmm. and they would just film these funny little skits, you know, exercise videos, mm -hmm. commercials. I was inspired by that. And so when I was eight years old, I finally was able to convince my dad to let me use that mini DV. I held onto that camera. I would film things after school. Um, I would make mock documentaries with my siblings. I mean, this was pre YouTube. I just had fun making and sharing these things with my friends and family. And so by the time college came around, film school seemed like a no-brainer. Um, I knew that USC had the cinematic arts school and I figured, you know, why not, why not shoot for it? Um, I was actually rejected the first time I applied, but I wrote them a letter explaining why they made a mistake with me. And I was ultimately accepted for that spring. So a lesson in not taking no for an answer, yeah. but also um, all things considered, I just let, what I had fun doing drive me into that field of study. Yeah. And it seems like you were passionate about this, but when did the first thought about switching Phil hit you? It was a slow burn until I was finally smacked over the head with the realization that I wanted to actually go into a different professional field. Mm -hmm. um, but within the School of Cinematic Arts at USC, I was part of this experimental cohort for a program called Media Arts and Practice. Um, it was begging the question, what is a cinematic experience if not on the big screen? Mm -hmm. So instead of learning the ins and outs of the film industry, um, this program of like seven or eight of us were the weirdos who were prototyping hypothetical technologies. Uh, like one, one such project was uh, an anti-procrastination device that would shut your computer off if you stopped typing in the middle of a writing session. Wow. Um, and I created a video around this to mm -hmm. sort of pose a cultural critique, going back to those mock commercials we used to make when I was a kid. But the reality was many of us were afraid that we were casting our nets so wide. We weren't going deep on mm -hmm. anything specifically. We were afraid we weren't going to have any tangible skills and job prospects post graduation. It was pretty challenging breaking into that industry. And I almost felt like the skills I was learning weren't helping me get there. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I spent one summer finally uh, doing an unpaid internship uh, for a small film studio writing coverage. And if you don't know what coverage is, essentially you, you read through scripts that come through the office and you write up a, a synopsis and a review. And you basically say whether the big boss is uh, should read the script or not, whether it's worth their time or not. And uh, I, I remember seeing an assistant who was working with us and he was a great guy, but he was about 28, 29. And he had these aspirations and dreams that, hey, I think one day I'll be like a, a lead at this studio if I keep doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But the clear cut path didn't seem like something I wanted to take, both in the sense that I didn't really love the workings of the industry. And it didn't seem like a job would help me create in the way that I wanted to create. And I also had bills to pay. And so that was, I think that internship was the turning point when I said, I think we need to take this somewhere else. Uh, this industry doesn't seem like it's going to be right for me when I graduate. Yeah, I I can totally understand since I'm also in the, in the entertainment industry because it feels like, you know, you have aspirations, you have dreams, you know, to become a next, I don't know, like Steven Spielberg or something like that. But then and when you actually on a set, you realize what a complicated mechanism overall it is and how everything is about networking and about building the right connection. And it's really, it gets complicated because I, I totally understand because when I graduated, it took me also some time to um, get an internship. Um, I My first internship was for an independent movie and it was also unpaid. The further you go, the further you kind of face the harsh reality um, of the entertainment industry. So I totally, I totally get that. Oh, I think you're so on the nose. It depends on what your trade-offs are, right? Maybe you're doing work that really fills your soul and you can handle, you know, going unpaid or underpaid for a period of yeah. time in order to get where you feel like you really want to go. But mm -hmm. I think when I was in that actual mm -hmm. industry, I didn't find the passion that I thought that I would, that I felt when I was making my own films. And so I figured I can, I can pick up some tangible skills in you know, the marketing world or the tech world. And perhaps down the line, if I feel the drive to come back mm -hmm. into the entertainment world, it will mm -hmm. always be there. And perhaps these skills in another field will help me there. And at that mm -hmm. point, I started to explore marketing. And uh, eventually, eventually, I discovered content design sort of by accident. How would you explain what a content designer does to someone who has no clue? Uh, content designers are first and foremost designers. We work in the user experience field, also called UX, um, with a specialty in using language and clear communication uh, to make digital experiences simpler for people to navigate. What attracted you to a career in content design? One of my, maybe it was the end of my senior, the beginning of my senior year, and one of my best friends who wasn't in the cinema school had interned at Facebook and she shared a blog post about her experience. Um, and I looked into it and I spoke to her about it and I learned a bit more about the role. And I thought, mm -hmm. well, that's something I can do too. Like this, this actually sounds quite interesting to me. Uh, so I applied for an internship and I, I didn't get the internship at Facebook, uh, but I did start mm -hmm. thinking about how I could begin to pivot my experiences in the direction of content design so that I would be more competitive the following year. And after I finally mm -hmm. realized, okay, this is something that's worth pursuing, um, I, I spent about a year taking on projects that could get me into that arena. So I really molded my portfolio to show how my work met those values that are uh, appreciated in a content designer. 
for people that that are listening, how to understand if the career path that you chose is is right for you. I think the top metric in my playbook is trusting my gut. Thinking about how、mm-hmm. I feel when I wake up in the morning before I go to work or before I go to school to go to a certain class.、Um, of course, not every day is going to be perfect. You're not going to feel amazing、mm-hmm. and incredible and like ready to take on the world every single day. And we have to make some trade-offs. But if I wake up and say I'm not getting paid what I want, maybe I love what I'm doing every day. Then maybe that passion will drive me to a place where I can I can check that box off eventually and get paid what I'm worth. Or maybe I feel like I'm paid more than I'm worth, and you dread going to work every day. I've seen this happen with、uh, some coworkers in the past. You have to ask what's really worthwhile to you. Is it this paycheck? Despite the fact that I feel like I'm brain dead, just slugging through every day. Maybe I need to take my skills from this role and apply them in a different arena. But if you hit this point where none of the boxes are checked, and you dread what you do, you feel like you're not paid enough. Um, and you just feel entirely stuck. It's probably time to make a change.、Um, in in my case specifically,、um, I I tried to look at what are the values that are that compose a a solid content designer, and and how does my experience map up to that? And also,、uh, what experiences can I take on that will also contribute to that similarly?、Mm-hmm. But over my senior year, I had to work on a, a thesis project. And so I I made a critique of the ethics of face、um, I, I critiqued the ethics of Facebook's business model、uh, with some proposals on how it could improve meaningful time spent while also increasing revenue on the platform. And interestingly enough, after I joined the company,、um, they started tracking meaningful social interactions as a key company metric. We call them MSIs.、Yeah. Um, so you know that、mm-hmm. was that was all me, right? No,、um, <laughs> yeah. but then, yeah, absolutely not. They they had that was you. It was you before I did. I know,、yeah. but um, there were it requires user experience、mm-hmm. design skills, and product design wasn't、mm-hmm. a part of my curriculum, and I'm not you know a a self taught product designer. But I found、mm-hmm. a product design class at USC, and God bless the professor. I wasn't able to take、mm-hmm. the class. Because I did, I, my credits were full, but she let me、mm-hmm. sit in and essentially take the class for free over the course of a semester. And so I didn't get a grade on my transcript, but I got to learn what everybody was learning in the class, participate in group projects, etc.、Um, that was helpful. But that doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be done in a classroom. You can learn online. There are so many resources available.、Um, business sensibilities I thought might be interesting, and so I picked up a minor. In the business school,、uh, just to get a broader understanding、mm-hmm. of the inner workings of a business, and then there was this writing element. I've always been told、uh, people think I'm, you know, a decent writer,、uh, but I started publishing bit, a bit more online just to show that there's some proof. It's not all just in these, you know, essays、mm-hmm. that are going off to a professor.、Um, and I took an editorial internship over the summer,、uh, which like fell into my lap through the business school at Forbes Indonesia. And so,、mm-hmm. I guess it, it comes down to. Not necessarily、mm-hmm. specific experiences that are going to apply directly.、Um, you want you want to take on experiences that map to the values that are going to be appreciated in a field, and lean on those to tell a really compelling story that makes you you know、mm-hmm. different and also perhaps an ideal candidate as opposed to just a cookie cutter candidate going through the pipeline everybody else's. What was the application process when you applied to Facebook?、Um, I I had a friend who. Interned at Facebook previously, who was able to、uh, refer me and you know get me in the pipeline. I will、mm-hmm. also say that like I, I remember thinking that this is going to be a shoe in, right? Just because someone、mm-hmm. referred me internally,、um, 
I'm going to, you know, have a very great chance of getting the role. It did mean a recruiter reached out to me, but two or three times previously, I had somebody working at Facebook refer me and I was rejected uh, after the first interview. So it's not a shoe in. It is helpful. After, after that initial application, I spoke with the recruiter, um, had a brief phone call, and then there was a, a project. Uh, they, they sent me a project to complete, gave me, I think, three days to complete it. Um, I toiled over that project. They, they say that only, I think they said at the time to only spend like three or four hours on the project. I definitely spent way more on that. And then after the project, there was a, a video interview followed by an on-site interview where I was flown out to Menlo Park at Facebook's headquarters. Um, I gave a presentation, shared my work, shared some of my background, and then had four one-on-one interviews with content designers mm-hmm. at the company. I, uh, I asked mm-hmm. some challenging questions. I, I figured, you know, I don't want to suck up to these people. I want to ask them challenging questions and show that mm-hmm. I'm thinking critically about this work and I'm not just going to be a yes man. And, and it, all, it all went very well. How to compete with strong candidates when you have no prior background in the field? No, great question. I felt hopeless uh, as I was applying for this entry-level role at Facebook. Semester prior, the content design team hosted like a, a session about content design at the USC Communication School. And it was for mm-hmm. comm students only. It's like, I think you had to make a certain uh, GPA or have a certain grade or be referred by a teacher in order to attend. And I wasn't in the comm school, so I didn't even have the opportunity to try and attend. And I tried anyways, mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to get in. And I just looked at like hundreds of students going to this session about content design, content strategy at the time, and thinking like, I don't stand a chance against this. Like, this is crazy. But instead of taking that road well-traveled and being in that room with all those other students, I sort of found the back door. Um, when I put in the time and the effort to, to make my experiences stand out, and that's ultimately what helped me get that role. So if I was starting as a content designer today with zero experience, the best thing you can do is start noticing how you can apply you know, content design principles in the real world. So I'd start paying attention to compelling apps, websites, noticing what what kind of language, what kind of design patterns grab me, which ones turn me off. And I think about changes to flows that I might make myself and why. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Perhaps you notice a product that doesn't seem to be targeted to the right customers and you can rewrite the marketing copy uh, to attract the right target market. Uh, maybe you notice an important button that could increase sales if it was easier to find or it had different words or a different design styling on it. Um, and at that point, you can put together something of a, a case study. And this is both practice for yourself. You know, it'll give you something to put on your portfolio. The more you share your work, the better. And so just because there's not an, a door that appears wide open in front of you doesn't mean that there's not some back door available. I love it. I really love it. And now it's time for a pop quiz. You ready? Yeah, please. Okay, awesome. Best book if you feel stuck. I'm going to give you a super generic title and you're probably going to laugh. Uh, this book is called Awaken to Your True Self. Uh, it's by a guy <laughs> named Andrew Daniel. And mm-hmm. it drops a lot of hard truths about being a personal development junkie and always trying to find improvement in yourself. Definitely will check it out. Do's and don'ts when interviewing. Do's, try and surprise your interviewer with the valuable information that they're going to ask you before they ask you for it. And that also kind of gives you the opportunity to frame your narrative, right? Instead of 
you know, potentially a question that could be framed negatively. You can share things about the past and, and frame them very positively mm-hmm. and, and demonstrate yourself the way you want to be perceived. Yeah. One important lesson from a bad job interview. Okay. And this is going to completely go counter to what I just said. Make sure you don't seem to be reading from a script. Mm-hmm. One time I received feedback and actually I'm really grateful to receive this feedback because very often mm-hmm. interviewers are not willing to give feedback. They told me it seemed like I was reading off of a script and that it was uh, overly prepared and I didn't leave mm-hmm. them enough time to ask more questions. That's a great lesson that uh, advice works sometimes, other times it, it might not. What's one question that you should ask yourself if you want to switch field? This is uh, something I think about coming from a guy named Derek Sivers. He's an entrepreneur author. And he has this question that he goes back to where he says, uh, choose the option that gives you more choices. So like make make mm-hmm. the choice that will give you more choices in the future. And so when I'm thinking mm-hmm. about making a change, I ask myself, will this new path give me more choices down the line or less? And I can go mm-hmm. back to deciding between sticking around in entertainment or jumping over into the tech world. Entertainment, I thought, well, I might be locking myself in with this specific job path. That might not necessarily be the case, but I know pretty certainly if I jump over into the tech world Mm -hmm. that the skills there are all over the place and it can take me in any number of directions. It can perhaps even take me back into entertainment. That's a, that's, I found that to be a helpful question to ask. Okay. That concludes our interview. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing your journey and experience with us. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure this afternoon. And just if anybody's interested, if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I believe there will be a link below. Um, My Twitter is RJR underscore, underscore, double underscore. And and I'm also publishing a, a new newsletter, which we can also leave a link to down below on Substack. Uh, we're just I'm sharing musings, things that I'm finding interesting from across the web, kind of synthesizing them in one place and, and sharing them out. So if that interests you, interests you, feel free to give a follow. It was great talking to you as well. And thank you everyone for watching this episode. Stay tuned for more and don't forget to subscribe and hit that like button. Let us know if you, what you think about this episode or if you have any questions.